You are the only one who can save the planet. Battle with aliens at the speed exceeding the speed of light in dark unknown space. Defender 2. Welcome to Nostalgia, a chronological exploration of every NES game released in North America. I'm Mike. I'm Sean. And I'm Joe. Wow. Hello, everybody. How you guys doing? I'm doing great. When you were playing this game, were you under the assumption that you were exceeding the speed of light? Entirely so. Because you see, like <laughs> yes. when, you are, when you are going through the speed of light, everything gets blue shifted, and there's a lot of blue. There's a lot of blue, but there's still like a lot of red also in the game. Yeah, that's, that's the things behind you. There's the thing more, behind you gets red shifted. Well, there's more black than every than anything. What are you guys that, talking? Black true. holes it's, go no, faster it's than the really, speed of light. Really dark blue. Got it. Okay. True. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I always lean. Is it dark blue or is it black? Yeah, I yeah. understand. I'm just glad it's yellow. I'm just glad that we're playing some hard sci-fi finally. Yeah, yeah. So we are playing Defender Two, uh, originally released way back in 1981 yeah. as uh, Stargate. Bet you guys didn't know that. I did not. So it only got the Defender 2 name uh, for the NES and then everything afterwards, because I guess there was some legal problems with saying Stargate. I'm not too familiar with Star Trek, but would that have been the problem? Or There's, There is a movie and TV yeah, series Star- called yeah. Stargate, but I don't think it was active in 1981. And, got it. And I actually did, I did read a funny anecdote about it being called Stargate. Please. That it's weird that it's, it's just someone else's opinion that I agree with, that it's weird that it's called Defender 2 on the NES that doesn't have a Defender 1 and then changed to Stargate in arcades where it actually has a Defender 1 and not called Defender 2. Right. Uh, and Yikes. Because in the arcade, <laughs> yeah, this actually this comes out seven months after Defender 1. So that is pretty crazy that like they release it in the arcade and then it takes them just seven months to make this new game that they call Stargate. But if you've played Defender 1, you'll see it right away that this is very much a Defender 2. It plays exactly like Defender. Would you say it's... I mean, I didn't play it, but I watched Defender 1. And would you say it's like... Plays like Defender 1, or would you just say it's Defender 1? I would say it's Defender 1 with two new (laughs) power-ups. Yeah, because it looks like almost exactly... I couldn't even find the difference. Yeah, it's also Defender 1 um, without any kind of processing power behind it. Yeah. Because somehow a 1981 game... Uh, performs a little bit better than this 1988 game. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, I don't know how they couldn't figure out how to just perfectly convert the arcade version to the NES here. We have seen some better arcade ports from like later arcade yeah. games. I would even argue like a game like Double Dragon yeah. translated it really well from the arcade. But I think we're going to get ahead of ourselves here. Let's just focus on Defender 1 for a minute, since a large amount of our audience probably knows of that game, too. That was a considered very difficult arcade game at the time, a little different than what you were playing if you were playing Pong or Pac-Man or Missile Command. Uh, This one had a lot of moving parts to it. Did either one of you guys get a chance to play Defender 1 ever in an arcade or... I mean, it. I haven't, I haven't actually played it, but I was watching some footage of it. it it's, um, I mean, in 1981, I would have had a blast with that. Yeah, it was actually like my mom's favorite Atari 2600 game. We owned an Atari 2600, and she would always talk about the game. And I always. was too. Well, I just think it's funny. It's like whenever we had the Atari 2600 out, she just wanted to play Defender. <laughs> and I never heard of that in my like cultural zeitgeist. So I was like, yeah. all right, I'll... uh. I'll try this out, and I was way too young to be any good at it. Like, <laughs> it didn't make, it didn't really make any sense at my young age of like four or five or however young I was. But Defender doesn't really have 
the clout that other arcade games do. Do you agree? Why? Like, you don't hear that name anymore. Oh, honest, like, I, thought, I mean, you guys talking about it, like, oh, everyone knows Defender. I don't think I knew Defender. I didn't say that. Oh, well, I just assume you and Mike are the same person. <laughs> I, I think, like, that's a game that I picture in an arcade lineup. You know, if I walk into an arcade, I'm kind of expecting it to be there. But it doesn't really have a place now. Like, no one talks about it as much. And I think that's maybe because this was made by Williams, Mm-hmm. who really only brought us Joust and Robotron, and I'd argue you're more likely to even see Joust than you would Defender in an arcade oh, yeah. these days. I know Joust. Yeah. Uh, most people, I think, would know Joust over Defender. And we've talked about Joust before in relation to Balloon, uh, balloon Fight. fight. So sure. Were, I think uh, uh, Iwata was like inspired by it when programming. Ah, uh, yes. All right. Uh, we'll get into it, though. I, I don't want to stall any longer. We'll talk about Defender 2, if we must. Uh, The player flies a small spaceship above a scrolling mountainous landscape, which wraps around conveniently. You try to save humans from being captured by enemy ships, and the goal is to destroy all the enemies and prevent the humans from being captured. You're armed with ammo and smart bombs. Oh, and there's this little thing called Stargates, but we'll get to those in a minute. Uh, Did I do a good job? I think so. A great yeah. job, Mike. Thanks. I, I wrote it down beforehand. <laughs> oh, scripted. We have tr- well, we have trouble with the overviews sometimes. Right. I figured, let me true. just write I this. Can't deny that. Um, one thing that I really note that jumped out to me right away was because we always talk about shmups and how we, oh, at least I don't like them. Um, <laughs> but this this stood out from the rest in the sense that first of all, you're not constantly scrolling in one direction. You can turn around. I know it doesn't sound like that mind blowing of like a crazy <laughs> ability, but it's kind of cool to me that you could choose to go left or right and go, you know, backtrack on your on yourself. And that you have a different goal that's not just kill everything or like get as rack up as many points. Like you're trying to save these humans on the on the ground. So I thought that that made it like at least at first stand out to me more than like a lot of other shmups. There are, would you argue maybe? And we haven't even gotten to the controls yet. But do you think there's too many things going on here though? Like you have a you have a screen that you have to kind of follow along in a mini map to see your placement in regards to the enemies. Then you have the enemies, which you must take care of to clear the stage. And then you have these humans, which you can't see on your mini-map, but you have to make sure that they're being protected at all times. I think definitely that the, the mini-map, I think it's cool. But yeah, it's it's definitely missing out on something with like not having your objectives on there, your the humans on there. But I don't think it took away anything. I mean, it, not having the mini-map, I think, would have been... I prefer having it to not having it, even if it's just showing me the enemies. It was... So a few times when I was just trying to get that like last ship, yeah, uh, you know, it was cool to be able to see like, oh, I'm coming up on it or that he, where he is. The game can be pretty chaotic, but I don't think that any one, um, any one element of like the HUD in the game itself really overwhelms you too much. Yeah, I, I actually think I would have preferred more things on the HUD, like a human count. Yeah, as we're as we're going through, because I think you get five. I think there's six. Six, okay. And there's no real six way... Six people on the ground. Yeah, six people on the ground. And there's no real way of knowing uh, until they're picked up by an alien. Then they, I think their uh, shape changes color on the HUD. Oh. The, the alien enemy shape changes I to see. like a, mm. a different tint. But there was, there was no real sense of like, where am I, where am I going? Yeah. And am I heading? You know, like you just kind of have to constantly like... Travel yeah, fast to the other yeah. sides to to make sure that the other uh, humans haven't been kidnapped. To so. clarify, in this game, uh, when humans are kidnapped, it's not like you know once they are uh, once a an alien grabs them, they're gone forever. It's actually sort of like a uh, um, a grabber machine, like uh, 
Well, what are those things when you, you put a quarter in and you, you yeah, try like and the claw, the claw, the crane game. It's, it's, yeah, a, it's crane. a crane game um, where they just pick up a guy and try to take him outside of your field of view. Um, so you can shoot whichever alien is holding him uh, and then they'll just sort of very slowly float back to the ground and you can pick them up. Um, but you can also accidentally shoot the right. shoot the person. I appreciated that feature. Yeah, <laughs> you know because it is it's a lot easier to do than you would think. Yeah, uh, you you have a, a bit of a stuttery control of your of your spaceship. You mm-hmm. don't have you don't have a ton of precision. You're floaty, yeah. so it's very easy to uh, approach an enemy, shoot it, and then it continues climbing up. So you've actually your laser has now shot. The uh, the humanoid, yeah, and they uh, they burst into a million pieces, and it's yeah. kind of it's kind of good. Like I I like the feeling of it, even though it, it's it's bad for my point total. Or whatever. Yeah. All right. The one thing that I did notice was uh, that it took me a while to notice. Actually, at first when I was playing, was that when the, when they slowly drop to the ground, as you mentioned, that's not a good thing. I thought that that was okay. They slowly drop to the ground, and they're okay. They're not. Oh, uh, ca- I think no, they, they splatter. Right? They die. Yeah. I mean, I assume they die. They disappear. Yeah. They they um, do. They go away. Them. It you doesn't count towards your bonus. Yeah. <laughs> they go away. Yeah. They go away. <laughs> <laughs> Put it nicely for the children out there. <laughs> they go away. Um, but yeah, you have to catch them in your ship, which took me like. A second playthrough on like the first round to realize, oh, this is what I'm. And I never caught an alien in the act of just saving a human, but in the arcade version, at low heights, the humanoids do like fall and survive. But at a certain height, it will kill them. I never got to see like an alien that didn't have them at like mid height already. So I can't confirm if that stayed in the NES version. But a couple of things didn't make it over from the arcade version, so I wouldn't be surprised if that was also something that was just sacrificed in favor of just coding. They always die yeah. if you don't yeah. catch them. It's not something that I noticed either. So, yeah, it would, and- it would be kind of unfair if, like, if they're like a foot off the ground there's, and you shoot the ship. You're not going to have time to catch them before they hit the ground. So right, right. So hopefully they would be yeah. saved. Uh, and then the Stargate, which uh, if we can talk about that for a minute, that is that black hole-like thing. That will transport you to the other black square. Black <laughs> yeah. square. That and it's will, not black. But. <laughs> yeah, it's actually many rainbow colors. Yeah. Uh, it'll transport you to the other side of the screen that you're on. And my understanding is is that in the arcade version, that actually warped you to a human in trouble. Okay. But that definitely is not the case here. If you find the Stargate and you go over to the other side, there might be nothing over yeah. there. Honestly, I didn't. I didn't use this at all because there's no point of reference in this map. Like there are there are squiggly lines to to show uh, relief and where mountains may be, but none of it feels like a place. It's it's just like once I go into this portal, I just get spit out somewhere sort of the, sort of different, but exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I never used it on purpose. I just accidentally fell into it sometimes. Yeah, it, it didn't seem like there was any real use to it except for uh, a buffering mechanic to like be like, oh, well, everything will freeze in time while I get this <laughs> annoying animation that transports me to yeah. the other end of the screen. It's worth mentioning that we're not talking about levels here because the the waves are all the same, just more enemies come on yeah. wave after wave. You the landscapes don't change at all. Nothing nothing about the game visually looks different. And I, I think that it's weird that we're getting such a bare bones arcade experience from nineteen eighty one here now sold at like as like a full fledged game. I agree. I I, I don't know uh, so a little story of what I expected from this game. Mm-hmm. I saw I saw screenshots first. 
And screenshots actually got me a little excited because it almost looked like a like a vector graphics thing with it almost sort of looked like asteroids. And I also saw your little ship and I'm like, oh, maybe this game sort of it sort of feels like asteroids. Um, so I booted it up and there's yeah, there's some momentum based controls. But it, at the end of the day, it is just a very um, small scope shmup. But I would have really liked a game where it's like, you know, that whole uh, inertia based control completely. And you just sort of have the tank controls. That's what I wanted this game to be. And it, it really wasn't that. But, and yeah. and tapping on, on the inertia controls there, I wasn't. I wasn't bothered by them at first, but the more I played the game, the more I realized they are my demise. And this game, for a game that talks about going faster than light speed, unless you're very good at this game, it does not reward you for for going fast in this game. You will easily collide with many, many different things. And don't get me wrong, I like that there's the continuous scroll of like, that there isn't just keep going forward and forward. I, I do like that you're able to go around, but it gets very messy very quickly. Oh, yeah. And with the inertia based thing, the longer you hold down the D pad, the harder it is to stop on a dime or uh, you know avoid your certain um, your the certain, certain death from yeah, yeah from <laughs> those from those different ships that are shooting things at you. Uh, and there's a wide variety of different enemies. Right, and I think the inertia thing. I think it's it's really cool, and I and I do think it would have been cool, like Sean said, if they leaned into it more and made it yeah. like a lot more uh, with gravity too. Right, right. But the um, I think the problem, not even that it's necessarily a problem, but I think just for us who've all played it like once or twice, I think the problem is probably that like those don't really kick in and like how cool they are until you're really good at the game. Yeah, and like true. I feel like for us, it's just like it just makes more sense to just take it slowly because you can. Yeah. Well, I see. I agree that I definitely think like a good player could be better at this. Could, like feel like a badass. But I wonder. But I wonder things. if the fact that and keep in mind that this is a this is a port that definitely like remove things. So if they were working on changing code or whatever, why didn't they also think about how the D-pad might be different than an actual joystick? Obviously, in the arcade, you you have the control of the you know the typical joystick that you'd be used to. It, with the D-pad, it, it doesn't translate as well. It feels like if I had an analog stick, I'd be doing a lot better at controlling my whole range of motion here. They should have tried to think about maybe there's only certain lines that you can land on. With the spaceship. So say that uh, from top to bottom, there were 16 different placements that your ship could be in. And you, you know, if like, so it'd be like like a a discreet, like snapping into grid, but a little more discreetly than that. Like, Mm. hopefully there would be enough uh, lines that you wouldn't notice it so much. I I don't know if that would work. But uh, I, I, you know, again, I'm not I'm no game designer, but I (laughs) think that uh, having like so much fluidity in, in the controls you know, ultimately hurt my experience of playing this game than it did uh, make it feel like, oh, this game's so punishing. Like, you gotta well, take it. You gotta take it slow. I think that an, another aspect of this game that makes the controls feel worse than they might be is in um, the particle effects and the um, actual am- ammunition that is being fired at you. They, they they look very similar. So when you blow up an alien or one of the various sub-alien things, um, <clears throat> you may get a bullet shot at you mixed up in all of that debris. And I just, I ended up colliding with that stuff often because I couldn't tell the difference. And we're talking about 
you know, like pure little square pixels. Yeah. No design really right. to this ammunition. I don't think it would have killed them to make the ammunition things longer lines and yeah, the kind of like your the, ammunition. The, yeah, yeah. The, the square particles. I, I, I definitely think that was a missed opportunity there. And, and I think also, that when you're flying around uh, with all this momentum fighting you and it's hard to get around these things, it makes it feel even harder when you're not even sure which particles to avoid. Right, and I would even argue, I don't know if this happened to you guys, but it definitely happened to me, that the landscape is weird, too. And sometimes I would think, like, oh, I can't go down too low because yeah. I'm going to crash into the side of that mountain. Exactly. But, there, but that's just a backdrop. It's a backdrop. Yeah. You are actually, like, in front of everything. So those things don't have consequences, but they trick your brain a little bit. Yeah. And, they, they, and, and since they don't have any real consequences uh, other than being backdrop, they're actually more distracting in that way because they're just vector art as well. So everything kind of just merges into one and you just have to basically hope that you're not touching anything other than your ship. Like, mm-hmm. Just keep your eyes on your ship and avoid anything else you see. <laughs> there's also different kinds of enemies too. You know, there's the ones that like chase you around those blue guys. Uh, they were, yes. they were strange. Then there's the, uh, the blinking, sphere-like thing. I like to think of those as uh, ghosts of the people you're supposed to save because <laughs> that only, they only appear when an alien makes it to the top of the screen. Oh, so they they probably are in yeah. like a leveled-up version of that alien. Yeah. So I could see that. Uh, I was also thinking of the, uh, not that, but the ones that look like mines. The you purples. Know? The, yes, the purples, yes. Yeah. And they, they explode out mm-hmm. those projectiles when you shoot them, so you have to be careful of them. Goddamn purples. I, I think there's certainly enough variety in the yeah, end. Even, even on like right. level one, there's a good amount. Well, they don't actually add anything. They don't in later levels? I, I think it's just more of stuff. Yeah, maybe stuff. I just, there was some that I maybe didn't notice on the first level. Yeah. Like the, the, I think there's like the flying saucers or something. I, I can't remember now. So but. I think those just appear like yeah. halfway through yeah. a level. And two. then, yeah, there are some that literally just like materialize out of thin air. With yeah. Like, just like all this energy goes towards one, being generous, calling it like yeah. energy, the lines go towards one point. And the, the ship appears. I mean, this is all just lending itself to the fact that this is nine, early 80s game design. We are not in 87 right. or 88 anymore. This is 1981 game design. Um, does this game end? It, it doesn't end. Okay. It doesn't end. Yeah. Great. It just, it's a high score game. Uh, and even, even, in the, even in the playing tip section of the manual, it does like, it does pretty much say like, you have to be cautious playing through this, but at the same time, it's recommending like save residents faster for higher rewards. <laughs> like it's so focused on yeah. all these score things, but it, it, it it's upfront disclaimer is like, hey, you know, you you can't just like think this is gonna be a cakewalk because the game was designed to be hard. True. The biggest question uh, I think on everyone's mind is that comparing this to other arcade NES ports, is there enough here? No. Yeah, I don't think so. All right. Did you guys just like give away your essential games votes? What? Why'd you ask the question, Mike? Why would you ruin the, the essential games list? Well, I just figured after the music, everybody could use a little like you know disruptor in the middle of in the middle of the second act. They've revealed their well, essential game votes. My, now I might just have spite. Are you allowed to vote on spite? I almost always vote on spite. Well, we're clearly almost done talking about Defender here, so uh, Defender 2, that is. Uh, <laughs> but you wouldn't know the difference, really, if you booted them up uh, next to each other, I guess. 
the uh, the alien race that you fight <laughs> in <laughs> the alien race that you fight in Defender Two. Did you guys know? Did you guys catch their name? I remember reading the manual and realizing that it was another like hack job, but I don't remember the name. What it's is it, Mike? Irata. Irata, which is backwards for Itari. Atari? Atari, yeah. Itari. yeah. Well, Gitari. You know, I Gitari. don't know. I don't know why I said Itari. Uh, this whole segment's been a mess so far. So uh, it's Atari. Maybe that would have been more shocking if I got it right the first so time. We're make, so they are like doing a, uh, a a flick you off. Yeah, Williams is doing a flick you off to Atari. And I think that's I think that's kind of funny. It's you could use that. more game humor like that. Apparently there's a bunch more of like these spelled backwards humor. things throughout the... Uh, the Aragain Falls. Oh, no, also just like in the high scores of Williams oh, yeah. games, they do stuff like that too, where they call out programmers in the high scores. I'm like, that's not news. Like, it's not cool. That happens all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I also don't like it when there's already like a populated high score in my games. How do you guys feel about that? I prefer to have it blank. Right. I want to make those high scores. I don't <laughs> yeah. want to like find out after I die that I didn't even make the top ten. Yeah, exactly. I guess that's true. There's already scores that you have to beat. Yeah, that kind of sucks. And uh, I also was looking up, you know, because I, I found this game pretty difficult. So I was looking up articles about Defender 2's making of, and I found this uh, article from Gamma Sutra, who is awesome. Yeah. They make a lot of great uh, articles on... The business of making games and uh, the art behind it, too. too. Yeah. Uh, They do a The History of Defender, The Joy of Difficult Games article, which I'll link in uh, the show notes here. But it's a whole thing with Eugene Jarvis, who was the um, developer or loan developer of Defender for uh, Williams at the time. And he had this to say about making the game. In that era, I was making the game for myself. That's the easiest thing to do. That's the natural thing to do, really. You have your dream. What's your ultimate game in your head? You play games. You go, oh, I really like this game, but they kill you off too quick. Wave 3 is impossible. In this game, the player is too weak. How am I going to make this game better? He just keeps going on this tangent. And it's like, I think he was starting to design another game right there on the spot. But he did go on to say that he made Defender 2, at the time he calls it Stargate, of course, as a response to people who were really good at Defender, saying they won't be good at this one. Like, he he, he watched good Defender players and then made a game around the idea of, like, how do I make it harder so they're not as good? But that's it seems like that's all he focused on, because nothing else is different. Nothing else is yeah. different, and I agree. And I think that that's really lame. <laughs> I, think, I, I think that also, if you're going to try to make a game harder in the arcade version, if the Stargate truly did take you to the side where the humans were in trouble, then... You really didn't make the game that much harder. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like this would have been a a quick patch to make like to you know to be like, oh, now the game's not as hard anymore. And then you know, smart ass kids would figure it out eventually and be even better than before. They're getting higher scores for sure if they're you know able to do more things at once. I don't think a game like Defender Two was alienating good Defender players. It was just alienating people who liked Defender but didn't like how hard it was already. I would love to listen to this as somebody playing Defender in the 80s. And like, is this is any of this accurate? Like, like are, are we talking? Are we speaking from the heart of the Defender player or are we just imposing this on? In them? what regard? I feel like there was no statement being made. 
Like I don't think there was any offense taken by Defender players when this game was taken was uh, released. Well, if you're good at an arcade game back then, right? Or let's just say even now, uh, you know, Joe will use your example, Nidhogg, right? Like sure. you love that game. Uh, forget about Nidhogg two for a second and think about what if they just said like. Oh, well, we'll just add more traps so that the players die more frequently. I, I would you have been okay with that? I don't think what would have bothered me was like, oh, they're just trying to make it harder because I was good at the game. And that's definitely weird. <laughs> I think what bothers me is that like it's the same game with like it's just it's just too I would have I would have felt ripped off. Like I spent more money for essentially the same experience. I guess it's a little harder, but like it feels like it's not as much. When I was looking back at Defender 1, it took me a while to confirm that I was, in fact, watching a video of Defender 1 and not Defender 2. Like, that's how similar it is. I feel like I would have felt kind of ripped off if I purchased this and was like, oh, it's the same overall. And I have to address the elephant in the room here, which is, didn't Nintendo wind up doing this with Super Mario Brothers 2 in Japan, (laughs) where they just said, like, oh, players are really good at Super Mario Brothers 1? Well, they won't like Super Mario Brothers 2. We added a poison mushroom. (laughs) (laughs) But at least those are different levels. It's not like it took the same level and added, like, more Goombas. True, but the graphics are the same. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've never played it, so I'm (laughs) not really speaking. Well, we'll play it eventually. Don't worry. We play everything. (laughs) Uh, All right. I mean, that's it. That's my thought on Eugene Jarvis. I just thought that was, like... A weird, th- you know, developers don't usually go out of their way to say, like, well, I challenge the fan base to be better. I gotta say, I love the name, though. Eugene Jarvis. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of j in there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Defender is not without sequels and spinoffs, though. A game like Defender 2 would surely get Defender 3, right? No. No. <laughs> it did not. It did not get Defender 3. It did not get Defender 4 or 5. It jumped right up to Defender 2000. Wow. Uh, Defender 2000. Wow. Uh, released on the Atari Jaguar. Only nice. in 1995. I think they uh, jumped the gun there a little bit. Right? <laughs> they had some time. They didn't get into peak Y2K territory yet. But it's mostly a 3D version of the original Defender. Like Defender were, 1. Is this from behind the... No, 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 no. I meant like just with 3D uh, effects, but still on yeah, a 2D plane. Gotcha. 2.5D. Yeah. 2.5D. Cool. Well, let's go with that. That's not where Defender ends, though. Then there's Defender. In 2002. Nice. The uh, sixth generation of consoles, that's the GameCube, the PS2, and the Xbox, they all got this, and it brings the same Defender plot, which we all care about. We With all RPG care, elements. Yes. An open world. <laughs> to the shmup world. Uh, now it's a shmup. Is this not a shmup? This isn't a shmup because here's why. Like you said, that, yeah, there's no there's no like level, there's no enemy like waves and stuff like that. Like you, yeah. th- there's like is, is that what I don't even know. Is that what, defi- that, what defines I think a shmup? For, and power ups too. I would mm. argue at the at the core of it. But I like to think it's shooting, shooting them up. Shooting well, you do in shooting shit. them up, shooting yeah. them all up. That's I like to. Th- you know what? I think we should reclassify all shmups and games like Defender as ships and shoots. Ships Ooh, and shoots. That's, not, that's got a ring to it. Yeah. Ships and shoots. I would think that Defender is first an arcade game. That's how I would describe it. But I would also consider it a different kind of shooter. When you hear shooter now, you think of. How does it sound like you're doing like a like a uh, GoFundMe like <laughs> <laughs> like commercial for it? <laughs> you know, when you when you hear shooter now, obviously a lot of people think of like first person shooters and stuff like that. But yeah. I'm arguing that there's a there's an like Asteroids was a shooter. And I'd this, say that was an arcade game, Mike. Right, but I said that too. I, I said like if we can't generalize things to arcade games, yeah, arcade right? games can be shooters or can be yeah, you know, fighting exactly. Games or can be you know. like like Donkey Kong is a platformer. 
I think it's a shooter. Okay. <laughs> That's weird that you think that. Dude. Can't even shoot fireballs in that one. But you he, he shoots barrels at you. at you. We're not yeah. done because there is something else that's uh, apparently like loosely based on Defender. It's like a reimagining by Williams. <laughs> uh, it's called Strike Force. And it came to the arcades in 1991. And it is Defender, again, okay. yeah. with two players simultaneous. It took them 10 years to do that. <laughs> it took them 10 years to figure that out. What else was Williams making? I don't know. Did they do pinball machines? Yes, they did. Then they did a they lot of doing. pinball machines. Yeah. yeah, maybe they're more known for the pinball machines. And I, look, I love pinball, so I'm not going to pretend that I can just name a bunch of Williams pinball cabinets. But I'm sure that was a good line of their business. And yeah. they were getting like completely schooled by Atari and uh, Namco and you know other game companies at the time that these arcade games were kind of like second rate. Mm-hmm. So speaking of second rate, let's talk about the essential games list. It is not essential. I also say it's not essential, but I, I say we, we were really negative on it. It's not that bad. It was fun. Uh, you know, I like the floaty controls a little bit. but It's just weird it, to yeah, have a retro game you, already. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like you're right. It's like it's old. It's outdated. Like for for what it is, I was like, yeah, it's good. So I'm like, not I'm, I'm not about to recommend about a game that it would take one minute for someone to figure out if they would like or not. Like just <laughs> figure it out on your own, people. Okay, <laughs> like it doesn't belong on our essential games list. But if you're curious, it'll take you one minute to figure out if you're into this kind of experience in 2020. Hindsight, 2020. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I am Michael Esposito. You guys uh, know where to find me, at Esposito Film on Twitter. We also have another Twitter. It's called NostalgiaCast, and that's our main Twitter. We do everything there. We post so many cool things. You won't believe it. Uh, people write to me often, and they say, what about the website? And yeah. I'm telling you Some right now. Some of you might think we have one, but we don't. <laughs> we don't have a website anymore. We never had one. <laughs> you were the website the whole time. Right. Uh, the, any, the, the Nostalgia website was actually haunted by a ghost and <laughs> because that ghost, of the article on there yeah. and yeah and the three of us uh, got together one night and we defeated that ghost in combat yeah. and so the website is now gone we're thinking about just starting a github where we can post a bunch of txt files that uh, were the uh, um the actual articles i think that's a legitimate solution we're looking for legitimate solutions if any listeners have them if you guys want to figure this out we think the twitter is great for getting all this information and also directly contacting us I think that's a great way. For sure. We haven't heard from some of you guys in a while. Dante, where are you at? Why you got to personally call him out? Uh, because I think he he mostly wrote to us on email, and we don't have an email right now. <laughs> we, we are so poor, we can't even afford a free <laughs> Gmail account. Well, maybe he doesn't have a Twitter. I'm thinking we'll get a Gmail, though. I just think we shouldn't be pointing out specific people. I'm sorry, Dante. Tweet at us with ideas for what our Gmail email should be. Should and it be nostalgiacast at gmail.com or should it be something like bigobills at gmail.com? <laughs> like, what should it be? <laughs> I think it could be anything. It could be, uh, you know, Joe Costu should be the host at gmail.com. These are all valid things. People have said these things. No one said those no things. No one said those things. Nobody uh, knows who Joe Nobody said Go is. Bills is the real Go. Who is, you know, yeah. who is that? I can't believe you said my last name on the podcast. Oh, my God. I doubted you. Well, would you like it to be taken I actually, out? I actually said it, uh, I think, on the first episode. Yeah, I think you did, yeah. But we're going to remaster yeah, that. You could take it out. <laughs> Look out for that. We're going to remaster the first episode and the second episode and all the episodes. Hashtag free Dante. Hashtag free Dante.